right, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning and uh, here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we're going to be continuing our message this morning, <coughs> excuse me, on the name of Jesus. And this is part three. And then we'll have a new message uh, next week on Christmas called, P uh, I think it's called Peace With Us. Um, anyway, uh, we'll get that title more clearly next week. But anyway, uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, uh, we do invite you to our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock in the true nature of God. And then we have our Bible study on Wednesday night on the new year and the Holy Spirit. We'll be wrapping up the first half of that for this Wednesday. Just so you know, we're not canceling anything for the Christmas season. Uh, everything's going to be on to queue. Uh, so, I mean, some people only go to church during Easter and Christmas. And I've, had, I've seen churches cancel on Christmas when it's the only time when people usually go. So uh, I, I don't see no need to work. celebrate. It's, to me, Christmas is all about Christ. So there would be no reason to cancel the, the main thing that we celebrate anyway. Uh, so anyway, uh, uh, so we will have services uh, uh, this Sunday, this Wednesday night, and uh, throughout the Christmas season. So anyway, um, we're uh, just making sure we're all cute, good to go. Sherry said we're good, we're live. We didn't have any hiccups this morning on the technology. That's good. That's always a good thing. Just so you know, you can always get, uh, view all of our, our messages on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And so you can also give and, and be a part of this ministry and, so, and, and help us support what we do to our, our online uh, our website. And uh, so there's some other platforms that you can listen audibly to our messages as well and archive there as well. So anyway, um, the whole point is getting the message and the gospel out there. Um, so anyway, well, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Philippians. Uh, that's kind of in our, <coughs> our key verse, our key scripture. There's a lot to be talked about when we're talking about the name of Jesus. And just to recap real briefly, I'm not going to do a recap like I did last week, but... Um, this is really a part two of my last series on the God Revealed, where I talked about the, the names of God and, uh, and the seven redemptive names of God. There's more names of God than just seven at the same point in time. And some people call them titles. And to a, good, a degree, I understand that, but they're, they're who he is. They're how God has revealed himself to be. Uh, he, his nature is who he is. Uh, he actually, actually uh, all of those seven names is Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Tenisku, Jehovah, Yahweh. God has actually compounded his name in a compound name. He's joined his name to his nature. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah uh, Rapha, our healer. Jehovah Nisi, our victory. And the list goes on and on. Even Jesus, Yeshua in the Hebrew is Yahshua. And so Yahweh, God, the Lord has attached his name to Shua, salvation. The Lord is salvation. And we also understand that the word salvation, both in the Greek and the Hebrew, by definition means healing. It means wholeness. It means deliverance. It means prosperity or provision. And so, uh, and so anyways, that, that's the name of Jesus. Well, here in Philippians chapter 2, uh, uh, I'll pick it up in verse 9. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, <coughs> those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. Jesus is the name above all names. Jesus is the name that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Every name, and anything has a name, and there's a lot of things in the world that have names. Cancer has a name. COVID has a name. Uh, there's some other things. Strife has a name. There's other things uh, that have names. Lack, uh, poverty, all these things must bow to the name of Jesus. And so, we talked a lot about that over the last two weeks. At the same point in time, we also talked a lot about last week how we are to bear the name of Jesus. In everything we say, in everything we do, we are to bear the name of Jesus. This week, in conclusion to this, this series, uh, we're going to be going to the book of Acts. And we're going to talk about how the early church preached in the name of Jesus. And they saw many miraculous things happen. They saw many powerful things happen as they preach in the name of Jesus. And so that's what we're, we're to do. We're to preach in the name of Jesus. And we're going to get into that this morning. So if you have your Bibles, <coughs> excuse me, go ahead and turn me to Acts chapter 2. That's where we'll start our study this morning. Acts chapter 2. And this is uh, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church, and the church was born. And I'm not going to read the whole story, or the whole event that took place here. But I'll pick it up in verse 21. And Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. And actually, uh, I'm picking up towards the end of his little... He's quoting from the Old Testament. And he quotes, and he says... In verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those, everyone who calls on the name, we're talking about the names of God, we're talking about specifically the name of the Lord, which is Jesus, and everyone, or whoever calls on his name shall be saved. Again, that word saves, sozo in the Greek, it means wholeness, it means healing, it means provision, it means deliverance. You can call upon the name of the Lord and be healed. You can call upon the name of the Lord and be delivered. You can call upon the name of the Lord and, and uh, uh, receive provision. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can also receive forgiveness, wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. And so we, we teach on that in many other teachings. But whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, this is, this is a whole new concept to the Jews. Peter is speaking to the Jews. He's speaking to all who are there. There are multitudes there, but a majority of them were Jews. And to, to the Jews, this was a whole new concept. See, to them, Jesus had just died. To them, some of them didn't have the revelation that Jesus had risen up from the dead. There was, there was controversy. Uh, just like right now, we have a big controversy about who won the election and different things of that nature. There was a big controversy whether he resurrected from the dead or didn't resurrect from the dead. We have a revelation that he did rise from the dead. But the Jews at the time, there was a debate, especially among the religious leaders. And in other words, how can you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved? And actually, let me, let me, fast, uh, let me read one more verse here in, in, in Acts chapter 2. Sorry, I meant to read this before I said what I just said. 
But Acts chapter 2, verse, scroll down to verse 38. And this is probably the most famous verse in, in, in the day of Pentecost. And then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We'll be talking about the Holy Spirit after Christmas. And uh, we'll start the week after Christmas where we talk about experiencing the Holy Spirit. But right now we're still talking about in the name of Jesus. And there's many aspects of this uh, declaration that, that Peter said, Repent, be baptized, and repent and everyone will be baptized in the name of Jesus for remission of sins. That word repent, Melatonia, means to change your mind. That's what the word means by definition. And we can talk about that later. But, and let every one of you be baptized into the name of Jesus. We are, the word baptized, baptismo, means to be emerged. We are emerged into the name of Jesus. When Sherry and I got married, Sherry changed her name from England to Everett. She's no longer Sherry Everett. She's, I mean, she's no longer Sherry England. She's Sherry Everett. I need to correct that. Otherwise, my wife will correct me later. Uh, but anyway, she's, she changed her name. She, we became one flesh. The scripture talks about that. It talks about how in Ephesians chapter 5, we become one flesh with Christ. We're one flesh. And Paul brings us out. And in Ephesians chapter 5, when it seems like he's talking about marriage, a husband and a wife, he says, well, I'm not talking about marriage. I'm paraphrasing. He's talking about Christ and the church. We're married to Christ. We're one place. We're baptized. We're baptized into her name. Sherry can use my name. Do, similarly, we had to go through the proper channels of Social Security to get that officially changed. And we forgot to do that when we moved to Wisconsin after we got married. And we did everything right with the marriage certificate, but we forgot the Social Security because Sherry wasn't working at the time. So it didn't seem, we just didn't, it didn't cross our minds. And then when she needed to get a job, uh, it didn't work because... They didn't recognize her as Sherry Everett, I mean, Sherry England, because uh, that, that's not who she was. We are no longer in the, Paul says it this way in the uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we know no, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, excuse me, we know no man after the flesh. Why? Because we're in Christ. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteous God of Christ Jesus. That is said in the same context, in the same chapter. He also says, Behold, we, we, uh, we, uh, all things have become new. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. We, not only are we a new creation in Christ Jesus, he talks about, the sec, that, all about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but we also have a new name. Sherry has a new name when she became married. When you become, you become, you, you take the surname, you take the, the, the family name of the male, of the, of the husband. And we, we understand this. We understand this uh, uh, worldwide. We understand this. And so we're baptized into the name of Jesus. Sherry has my name, my, my surname, if I can put it that way, to, 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 she has authority using her name. There's no authority in her maiden name because that's not who she is anymore. But there's authority in who she is. Your identity has to do with your authority. Your signature... When you sign a check or when you sign a letter or a document, that is your authority. I'm a notary public. And I, my job is to make sure the identity of that person is the one signing the document. That signature has a lot to do with it. I've been told by a police detective, if you, uh, if you uh, for, do forgery, go to the bank and forge someone's signature to cast a check. He said, 
it's the same capacity as if you were robbing the bank by gunpoint. Except you, in this case, you're robbing the bank without the gun. You're doing it through forgery. That's why it's called a felony. That's why it's embezzlement. And there are other classifications depending on the nature of the transaction. But there's authority in that signature. Banks have signature cards to, to, to know. I mean, I, I'm not, I spend a lot of time on this because we are baptized into the name of Jesus. But to the Jews, Jesus was dead. But we know, and the apostles knew, Jesus is not dead. He's alive. If he, wasn't, if he wasn't alive, there would be no authority in his name. But he is alive. He is alive. You know, when, when someone's dead, their, their, their signature doesn't have any more authority. And so uh, their, their name doesn't have any more authority in that capacity. Um, Let's back back. Let's go backwards just a minute. Let's go. Uh, we're gonna go back to Acts. We go to me to Luke twenty. Go with me to Luke twenty four. It's the same context. Uh, just before, well, just before Pentecost, Jesus hasn't ascended yet, but he's getting ready to ascend. Luke twenty four goes right with Acts chapter one. Luke twenty four, and we're gonna pick it up in verse forty five. We looked at this during the first week, but I want to come back to this just real briefly. Jesus has already risen from the dead. He's already gone to the cross. He's already rose from the dead. He's meeting with his disciples, apostles. He's getting ready to be ascended in Acts chapter 1. Remember, the, the writer of Acts and the writer of Luke is the same author. Luke, uh, Acts is actually Luke's sequel to the book of Luke. So Luke 24 goes right into Acts chapter 1. Okay? And he, Jesus, opened their understanding, verse 45, and that they might comprehend the scriptures. God, Jesus, wants us to understand the scriptures. Jesus said earlier in John chapter 8, I think it's John 8 or John 4, that the scriptures testify of Jesus. God wants us to understand the scriptures. And in verse 26, 46, then he, Jesus, said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. That's what Peter was preaching. In his, in, let me repeat verse 4. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with a power from on high. We're going to be talking about this power from on high after Christmas. And uh, in my series my, my entitled Experiencing the Holy Spirit. Verse 48 talks about we are witnesses. And we're going to talk a little bit about that more too when we get to talk about the Holy Spirit. But that term witness is going to come up through our message this morning. We're going to find several scriptures in the book of Acts when we're talking about the name of Jesus that this word witness comes up repeatedly. So I'm just bringing mention to that. But I really want to focus on verse 47 just for a second. And that the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. Jesus is telling his apostles just before, he go, just before the Holy Spirit comes, just before the church is born, just before he goes and ascended on high, that they are to go and preach in his name. They're supposed to preach 
the kingdom out of out of scriptures to preach the kingdom of God is here. Mark sixteen talks about how they that lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and do all these things in His name. Actually, let's go to real quick since we're on this topic. Before we go back to Acts, let's go to Mark sixteen real quick. I can get on a lot of rabbit trails right here where I'm talking about the name of Jesus. Okay, so that's where I'm zeroing my focus on trying to anyway. Um, sorry, I want to. I'm getting off my notes here, so I want to make sure I get the right scripture that I want to to use. Okay, yes. Let's start with verse 15. And he, Jesus, said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. There's a lot here that I can I can I focus on, but my I, again my focus on this message is, and verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will do the following. Are you following me so far? It's hard for me on that video to see people nodding their head or whatnot. But anyway, there's instruction here just before I get into the book of Acts uh, more deeply. That they are to preach in his name. They are to do ministry in his name. Remember we talked about last week from Colossians. We are to bear his name in everything we do and everything we say. Everything we do. And it's not just from preaching from a pulpit or ministering to people that we do in his name. Everything we do is to bear his name. Even more specifically when we minister, we're ministering in the name of We're bearing his name. Everything I do represents Sherry. Everything I do, she does represents me everywhere we go. You know, when you work for a business, a lot of times you have their name tag or their logo on their, your shirt or your uniform. I worked at In-N-Out for 10 years. My uniform had In-N-Out on it. I had other jobs where, where my uniform, everything I did was bearing the name of that company. And so uh, we understand that from a simple point of view. Go with me now to, real quickly... The chapter, uh, Acts chapter 3. Acts, Acts chapter 3. This is after Pentecost. This is after everything that's happened. <coughs> the Holy Spirit's been poured out. And now Peter and John, verse 1, went up together to the temple, went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man laying from his mother's womb was carried, whom was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who seen Peter and John about to go to the temple asked for alms? And fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter and said, look at us. And so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength so he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them walking leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God this is awesome this is awesome you know this man had expectancy to receive something more specifically alms but Peter and John said, Silver and gold we have not, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. But Peter and John didn't just say those words. Peter also reached out his hand and took him by the hand. The Bible says, and this is a whole other message, but faith without works is dead. Someone was convinced. Someone was convinced in the power of his name, and that was Peter. Peter didn't just say the name. People, Peter didn't just say, say you know, so many Christians, and I'm not trying to put anyone down, but use it almost just as a cachet. Almost use it almost like, in a sense, superstition. That might not be their purpose or their meaning or, or where they're coming from. But we need, to become, we need to have faith in the name of Jesus. We're not having faith in what we're doing. We're having faith in him, his name. Um... Yes, that faith has an action. Faith always has a corresponding action. Otherwise, it's dead. It's, it, it, it just works. There will always be a corresponding action to it. But we're still not putting our faith in what we're doing. We're putting our faith in who he is and what he's promised and what he's done. There's a difference. The Bible says in Philemon chapter 1, verse 6, that the communication of your faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. How many of us want our faith to be effectual? We have to acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. Faith, your faith is not going to be effectual if you're acknowledging the problem. You know, some people, I'm not saying that the problem doesn't exist, but you, I'm not here to magnify the problem, I'm here to magnify Jesus. I'm putting faith in Jesus and the communication of your faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge every good thing that you have, that's in you in Christ Jesus. And what do we have in us that's in Christ Jesus? We, <coughs> first of all, excuse me, we have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. We have his name. We bear his name. We're baptized into his name. We have Jesus. And Jesus is our Jehovah Jireh. He's our Jehovah Nisi. He's our Jehovah Rapha. He everything we it says in, in John chapter 1, verse 16, of his fullness we have received and grace for grace. It says in Ephesians 3:19 that if we know his love, we'll be filled to the fullness of God. We have the fullness of God. And Peter and John said, Silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. What did they have? They had Jesus. They had his name. Because Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. And it says in Ephesians 2, verse 6, that we sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the king of all kings. He's the king of all kingdoms. And he sits on a throne, high and lifted up. And we sit with him on his throne. A throne is where a king will make decrees over the kingdom. And and. Luke, Jesus said in Luke and other places, the kingdom of God is not here or there, it's within us. 
We have the keys of the kingdom. We have authority. The Bible talks in the book that he was, you know, a king will have a scepter. And our scepter is righteousness. And we have his name. A king will usually have a signet ring. Well, you can use his name. Do things in his name. If you have a, his signet ring, you can usually have authority to do things in his name. We have the name of Jesus. And Peter was so convinced that what they said in the name of Jesus, rise and walk, he took him by the hand. So we need to be convinced. We need to be convinced that there's power in the name of Jesus. It's not just some, it's not just saying the right words. It's not just tagging it on at the end of the prayer. It's having faith in his name. There's nothing wrong with ending the prayer that way. But it's not a formula in that we're trusting the formula. We're trusting his name. We're trusting the authority behind that name. I've used, I don't have my props with me this morning. The cop is, is trusting the authority behind that badge. We have authority. In the name of Jesus, we're baptized into his name. Um, let's, let's go on. Verse uh, 12. Same story. Let's start, we'll pick up verse 11. Now as a layman who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the, Psalm, in the porch, which is called Solomon's, great, which is called Solomon's greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Our wives look so intently at us as though it was by our own power and godliness we have made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and just and just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. There's that word witness again. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man, man strong, whom you see now. Yes, the faith which comes to him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. I want to pause there just for a moment. Verse 16, or let me just repeat verse 16. <coughs> the beginning of it, anyway. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. It's in his name. It's faith in his name that made this man well. It wasn't because Peter and John were apostles. It wasn't because they were significant. In one sense, we are all significant. We were all worth dying for. We all have the same Jesus. We all have the same Holy Spirit. But Peter and John have faith in the name of Jesus. It's faith in his name. We shouldn't, we shouldn't marvel when people get healed. We should marvel when people are not healed. And we should, be, we, we should not be marveled at the supernatural. We should marvel that it's not happening. And because God's not a respecter of people, he's a respecter of his name. He's a specter of faith in him and in his name. But, um, and, and even in this whole discourse, Peter is giving the gospel message about this resurrected Christ. You know, throughout the book of Acts, you're going to see three main messages being, being taught. You're going to see the resurrection of Jesus being preached. You're going to see the Spirit of God being preached. 
and you're going to see the name of Jesus being preached. They all kind of stem to the same thing. But you're going to see that they're preaching the resurrection of Jesus. You're going to see that they're preaching the Spirit of God in this, in this, in this book. And you're also going to see that <coughs> they're preaching many times in the name of Jesus. And we're going to see more examples of this in just a moment. But it's through faith in the and, and, and excuse me. <coughs> it's through faith in his name that this man walked. We need to have faith in the name of Jesus. Okay? Um, but also, you know what else it does his name demonstrates when having faith in his name? His name demonstrates that he is alive. Again, if he was not alive, faith in his name, his name would not have any power. But because he is alive, when we use faith in his name, when we preach in his name, when we have faith in his name, and when we see uh, uh, having faith in his name demonstrates his healing and whatnot, it's demonstrating that Jesus is alive. It's proof. It's evidence of that fact. Because again, uh, we'll come back to this a little bit later, but verse 15 says, We are witnesses of all these things. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 24. He repeats it in chapter Acts chapter eight, 1 verse 8. We will be witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Yes, it has to do with the Holy Spirit. But what are we witnessing? We're gonna get, I get a little ahead of myself. But what are we witnessing that we can't shut up about? There should be something that we are so convinced of, that we are such a witness of, that no matter even if they want to kill us, we can't be silent about it. That makes sense? There should be something. And I am, we should be witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. We didn't physically see it, but we see it by faith. By the word of God. We are so convinced that Jesus is alive. We are so convinced that we are filled with the Spirit of God. We are so convinced that we are baptized into his name. That he has given us his name. He has given us authority. And we have we are so convinced in having faith in his name that when I lay hands on the sick, they will recover. We need to be we need to be so convinced that we're gonna get into it that that they were they were actually being told to not preaching his name. And actually, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So let's go to chapter 4. Acts 4. We'll pick it up in verse 7. This is really the same scene. Because this man had been healed, it stirred, up, it stirred some things up in the religious leaders. They didn't like it. Why did they like it? They didn't like it that Jesus was alive. And so, verse 7, and when they had, when they, the religious leader, had asked them, the apostles, uh, specifically Peter and John, in the midst they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? It was evident that all these people had seen this lame man laying on the gate beautiful every day, or every week, or whenever they came to the, especially the religious leaders that they went there often. It, 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 it was, there was no question this man had been healed. But the, they're questioning the disciples, Peter and John, by what power, by what name did you heal this person? Because if, if you have a power, there's got to be a source. There's got to be authority. There's a legal matter going on here. 
by what power were you able to do these things? And verse 8 says, And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to the rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, <coughs> If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has done, he has been made well, let it be known to you and all to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. He's preaching on the resurrection of Jesus, but more specifically, uh, according to our study, by the name of Jesus this man is healed. Peter, Peter and John, specifically Peter in this instance, is saying it's by the name of Jesus this man was healed. The, what was the question? The question was, by what power, by what name did you do these things? And Peter's answered that question, by the name of Jesus, I did these things. That was the question, okay? That was what uh, we're question here. See, um, everything has to be done by authority. Something, something gives us authority to use that. Um, I know we don't understand that, but there's a kingdom. And within the kingdom of God, there are laws. And one of those laws of the kingdom is using his name. It, it, it's, in one sense, it's almost like a password. I don't want to narrow it down to that, but at the same point in time, you know, there's some computer programs, if you don't have the right password, there's a lot of resources behind and on that computer screen, but if you don't have the password, you can't have access. But there is access through the name of Jesus. In other words, they realize if you have power to heal somebody, you got that power from somewhere. Where did you get this power from? Okay? If you don't, there's another side of that coin. If you don't have power, then something's missing. They recognize, the religious leaders recognize, the, it, they all saw the power because it's all the evidence of this old man. And if you have power, where do you think I have power from? We should be asking the question to all of us, including ourselves, if we don't see power, then what's missing? Because it should be working. The same Jesus that was in this situation is alive today, and he's within us. Okay, we have the same spirit, we have the same Jesus, and if it worked for Peter and John, it should be working for us. But power has to have a source. Uh, verse 10, I already talked about that. But, see, Peter and John, they had a revelation someone was still alive. They not only preached in the name of Jesus, they also demonstrated the power of the name of Jesus. They, I mean, throughout this book of Acts, you're going to see that the apostles, they talked about the, the resurrection power. They talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, but they also preached in the name of Jesus. And they did all three of these interchangeably. Okay? Um, I want to move forward here. Let's go to verse 12. Nor is this, I know I'm, I'm skipping through, nor is there salvation any other, other, let me read it again. Nor is there salvation any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among man by which they must be saved. That's something he preached at Pentecost. And, and Peter is attributing what he just said to healing, and the power of the name of Jesus. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord must be saved or could be saved. Okay? 
let me just say something. I have something in my notes that I skipped over in going to verse 12. We have no excuse to not go out and do what Peter and John did. We have the same spirit. We have the same Jesus. We have the same name. We are also baptized into the same name. If we're not seeing God's name, God's glory being manifested in this manner, then, and this goes to myself as well, then we need a, a, a revelation of his name. We need a revelation of the power that is in his name. We need to, um, you know, I'm going to use this phrase, because they, they talk about this in Acts chapter 5. We need to have fear. We need to fear the Lord. Fear not in being afraid of God, but we need to have a reverence and trust. I, I did a, a series on, on the fear of the Lord earlier this year. Fearing the Lord is, is trusting Him. I fear God more than I fear any other disease or, or sickness or whatnot, or any other man or any other governments. I respect and honor. I trust Him more than I trust anything else. And my allegiance is to God above anyone else. Because I trust Him. I have more respect. I have more faith in the name of Jesus, in His Word, in the Gospel, in the blood of Jesus, in who Jesus is, than what anyone else says or does. I have respect for other authority as God has given that authority. The only time those two authorities clash is when that authority, like we're going to read here, tells us you can preach in any name but the name of Jesus. When they tell me I can't do something in Jesus' name, when they say I can't do something God says I can do, that's when those two authorities clash. But otherwise, I respect authority. Hopefully I'm making sense. Peter talks about this in the book of Peter, where we, we need to respect authority. We're going to find out in a few moments that they were asked not to preach in Jesus' name. They didn't read. <coughs> in response, they didn't revolt. In response, they didn't cause a riot. In response, they prayed for more boldness. They said they, they, can, they didn't stop. They keep preaching the name of Jesus. But they didn't revolt. They just continued doing what God called them to do. Okay? But let's look at verse, uh, I think I did verse 12. Let's go to verse 17 real quick. There's a lot of good stuff here, but I don't have time to read it all. But so it, it spreads. Uh, this is good. I'm just picking up. I hate make, picking up something mid thought. But so let me just read it. Verse 17. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. And so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. So anyway, whereas they discussed among themselves, and then they told the, the, the apostles, you can, you can teach in anything. Just don't teach and preach in the name of Jesus. And, you know, uh, the, 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 the direction was very clear. It was very specific. But they were forbidden to teach in the name of Jesus. And he it, it, it goes, you know, uh, so, so what's the issue here? The issue is the name of Jesus. Even in our society today, you can talk about God. You can talk about the love of God. You can talk about a lot of things. But once you mention the name of Jesus, people start getting uncomfortable. People will shift in their seats. People will flinch. 
People will become uncomfortable. Why? Because you, there's power in the name of Jesus. It's light in their darkness. In their depths of depths, whether they recognize it, whether they acknowledge it or not, they know. They don't want to know. They don't want to be reminded. They might not have a clear revelation yet on it, but there's something about the name of Jesus. There's something about his name. Many of them don't like it, don't like his name, but uh, there's something about the name of Jesus. That's why we need to bear his name in everything we do and in everything we say. We can't lose this fervor. We can't back off towards our faith in preaching and teaching and demonstrating the name of Jesus. Let's go, let's go a little further. Um, I want to go to Acts 5 before I go there. Let's go to Acts 8 real quick. Go to Acts 8, verse 5 to 7. This is Philip. Philip had just ministered to the Ethiopian eunuch. And now he's been translated to, to Samaria. And we'll pick up verse 5. And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord headed and heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many were, who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Um, and now we're going to skip down to verse 12 real quick. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Philip preached Christ unto them. Philip preached the name of Jesus to them. And they saw results. They saw results. Okay? You, in other words, you can't separate Jesus from your preaching, from what you're believing. When you preach the name of Jesus, you will get results. Hopefully I'm making sense. I'm saying, I feel like I'm uh, saying a lot of different things, but I, I'm trying to bring them all back to we, there's power in the name of Jesus. But we need to know what's behind that name. We need to know why we're, we're preaching that name. Okay. Um, you know, I just want to pick it back real quick. He preached Christ in them. We don't preach anything else in this church. Anything I preach, anything else I teach, I'm always going to steer back to Christ. It's always going to focus on Christ. Because if Christ is not the foundation, whatever we build on this house, is going to crumble. The foundation has to be good. We can disagree on a lot of different things, but the foundation has to be solid. The foundation for this building that we're in right now, the foundation for any corporation or any marriage or any family has to be solid. And once that foundation is, is attacked, then the whole thing can crumble. I can teach on any subject, and we do teach on other subjects, but it's all going to be built on the foundation of Christ. And part of that foundation of Christ is also his identity, his name, who he is. Okay? You can't separate the name of Jesus, the identity of Jesus, from Jesus. You just can't separate the two. Now go with me back to Acts chapter 5. This is actually a continuation to what we were just reading a minute ago. 
I have a purpose for doing going these out of order just because I want to spend a little more time here. The Acts chapter 5, we're going to skip all the way down to verse 28. <clears throat> I'll, I'll pick up verse 27. And when they had brought them, the apostles, they sat them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this, in this name? So they, conti they continued. They continued preaching in his name. They asked for boldness in his name, and they did. And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. And the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered, by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel, forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses. There's that word witness again. To these things. So also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Three times in this this little passage of scripture, the word obedience comes up. And that makes some people uncomfortable, especially in the area of grace. We preach grace. We're not accepted by God because of our performance. We're accepted by God because of his performance. We put faith in his grace. We do teach performance in the sense that performance is the byproduct of us putting faith in God. It's not the source of us uh, becoming saved, but it is the fruit. It's called the fruit of righteousness. It's called the fruit of holiness. Fruit is not the source. Fruit has to come from the seed. It has to come from the vine. It has to come from the roots. We teach holiness. We teach righteousness. We teach godliness. But the Bible says that grace teaches you to live a godly life. Titus 2, 11 and 12. Grace doesn't teach you to live in sin. Grace teaches you to live godly. Those who think that we, when we teach grace, that we're teaching people to live any way they want to, they don't understand grace. Because that's not what grace teaches. And they think that's what we teach. And not listen to one message I ever taught. Because I never teach that. Uh, and so, um, grace will teach you to live ungodly. Uh, grace will teach you to live godly, excuse me. <laughs> uh, it says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse uh, um, 34, awake to righteousness and not. It doesn't say sin not to become righteous. It says awake to righteousness. Awake to who you are in Christ. And that will enable you to sin. We've seen many people do this. Min well, not to sin. Excuse me. I'm messing up just like I messed up on Sherry's name a little minute ago. I know what I mean to say, and it's coming out differently, but I have to catch myself. You know, uh, we see many people set free from many addictive and, and horrible lifestyles when they understand righteousness, when they understand who they are in Christ. They couldn't get set free before. You can't control flesh. You can't control sin by the flesh. You walk in the spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. When when you know who Christ is, that that that. That identity, that re relationship, Christ in you, the hope of glory, will set you free. Will teach you not to live an ungodly life. Will teach you to live a godly life. If you're trusting you to live a godly life, then you are trusting you and not him. It's Christ in you. You have to participate. Yes, you have to be a part of it. But you're not putting your faith in you. You're putting your faith in him who's in you. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
We live by faith. The just live by faith in his grace. But faith without works is death. So if I have faith in his name, I'm going to respond. If I have faith in his grace, his grace is going to teach me to live a godly life. I'm going to respond to that. It's called obedience. I'm not obeying God to become righteous. I'm obeying God because he's my Lord. Because I trust him. He's my God. He's my daddy. I trust him. I love him. The law is holy. The law is good. But the law can't make you holy and good. The only thing that can make you holy and good is Jesus. So I'm not going to trust me. I'm trusting him. But he in me is going to live a godly life. Okay? But let's bring it back to Acts chapter 5. You know, they, they were being questioned. What was the question here? There's a verse here in verse 32. Real quick. Let me read that first and let's go backwards. And we are witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. If there seems to be a condition about obeying him, but what were they, in context, what were they obeying? Preaching in his name. They were told not to preach in his name. They said, we will obey God, not man. The issue of obedience in this context, because if you take a, a text out of a context, you're left with a con. And people do that all the time. The word context, if you take the text out, you're left with a con. And so we have to be careful we keep in context. Here in context, they're talking about don't preach in the name of Jesus. They respond, their response is, we will obey God and not man. What's the issue of obedience? Preaching in his name. And then he goes on to say that we are witnessing saints. He will also give the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. Okay? In other words, they were saying, we don't care what, what you teach. Just don't teach in the name of Jesus. You know, there's a lot of pastors and teachers who teach a lot about the love of Jesus. We do too. And some people, some people will, will only teach about the love of Jesus. We teach about the love of Jesus, but we also preach Jesus. We also preach the name of Jesus. Yes, he loves us, and yes, he does, and yes, we need to, <coughs> we need to know that. But don't extract, don't take away the name of Jesus. Okay? Preach the death and resurrection of Jesus. Preach the power of his name. Preach about the Holy Spirit and the gifts. We're going to preach about that in a few weeks. But and the foundation of it all is Jesus. The Holy Spirit will always lead you to Jesus. And we'll get into that in a few weeks. But he, he says he gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. Okay? And I know this causes a little stir in some people, like I just said, but... Again, what was it that they were obeying? They were obeying preaching in the name of Jesus. If we take out the name of Jesus in our preaching and our teaching, mainly by this, we don't teach on it. We are no longer obeying him in this manner. And there is no, we are also in many ways taking out the power that is behind what we're preaching. We're taking the power of the spirit out of our preaching. They preached on the resurrection. They preached on the Holy Spirit. But they also preached on the name of Jesus. Almost, almost every single context we read, we've already, we've already read a few of them so far, they preached on the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit was working. They were witnesses. They preached on the resurrection. They preached the gospel. But the gospel included preaching in the name of Jesus. I'm not saying that we just preach in the name of Jesus and nothing else. I'm just saying that is the foundation, that is the core, that is one main ingredient. 
And so there's some recipes, if you miss one ingredient, it, it can still turn out. But there's some recipes, if you make it, if you leave this ingredient out, the whole thing falls apart. It's the main ingredient. You know, uh, like, for example, cinnamon rolls. Sherry makes some nice cinnamon rolls. And she is not stingy. She's not chintzy on cinnamon. Because the main ingredient is cinnamon. The roll is good. But the main ingredient is cinnamon. And so it's a very happy cinnamon roll, okay? Now, it's not overbearing, whereas, you know, it's just too much. But I don't know if my analogy is working. But my thing is, we need to have faith in the name of Jesus. Yes, we need to teach on the Holy Spirit. Yes, we need to teach on the love of God. Yes, we, we need to teach a whole counsel of God's Word, the full gospel message. At the same point in time, preach the name of Jesus. The early church did it, and the church grew, and they saw signs and wonders. They saw things happening. We need to have faith in his... We, in other words, we can't just parry-check what we like and what we don't like. We need to, to preach the whole counsel of God. Let's scroll down to verse 40 for, quick for me. I need to speed up a little bit. I spent a little too long on some of the areas. And they agreed with him. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching as Jesus as the Christ. They preached Jesus. They preached him as the Christ. They were told you can preach anything but the name of Jesus. And throughout the study, the study before the study of this one, we've been preaching about God's name. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, his name. Because when we preach provision, when we preach the name of Jesus, we're also preaching healing in this church. We're also preaching provision in this church. We're also preaching righteousness in this church. We're preaching the whole counsel of God. We're preaching the whole name of God. When we preach in his name, we're preaching Everything that his name represents, everything he represents, his nature. Am I making sense? I'm hopefully I'm making sense with this. Um, you know, a lot of this, we, we just, I guess one of the things I'm just trying to convey is that we can't lose our fervor for the name of Jesus. And sometimes what is lacking, and we, we come across a lot of people, and sometimes even ourselves, frustrated why it seems like their prayers are not working. It should work. And it should work every single time. But and, and, and the problem is never God. The problem is never His Word. The problem is never His Spirit. The problem many times is our faith, our unbelief. And uh, and so that's something we're going to, as I'm talking about the Holy Spirit a little bit later next year, I'm going to be talking about faith. I'm going to be spending a little more time on this faith. But these apostles who continued to preach God's word, even though they were, God's, they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus, they, said, they kept saying they were witnesses. Yes, they were witnesses to the resurrection, but they were also witnesses of all the things that God had been doing. I mean, the three and a half years that they walked with Jesus, they saw the dead rise. They saw people being healed. They saw all these things happening 
in the name of Jesus. They saw this. They witnessed it. They witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. They witnessed all these things. What have we witnessed? What have we witnessed in our life and in, this, in our ministries that we, are, that we are so compelled that we can't shut up about? Sherry and I in this ministry, in this church, and even other ministries, we've seen blind eyes open. We've seen uh, people get healed. We, through Andrew Womack's ministry, we fought, we, there's a lot of testimonies of people being raised from the dead. We're not magnifying Andrew. We're magnifying what Andrew preaches and teaches, which is Jesus. And, and, and my answer to some people, until you're seeing better results or different results than what we preach in preaching Jesus, then, then I consider you to listen. We, we're preaching Jesus. We're putting faith in his name. We're putting faith in his gospel. We're putting faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're putting faith in his grace. And part of that grace and part of that resurrection and part of that authority is the name of Jesus. We have authority. And like Peter, when we say, silver and gold, I have not, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, right, rise up and walk. We can, in a sense, take them by the hand and see them walk. Wigglesworth did this all the time. And he saw results. Other people did this all the time. And they saw results. Let's, uh, let's, let's switch gears just for a moment. Go with me real quick to Acts chapter 26. We'll look at verse 9. This is the end of the book of Acts. Luke is concluding his book. He's getting ready to anyway. But he's also talking about Paul's conversion, which actually happened in Acts 9. We'll go there in just a second. But in this, Luke is writing something Paul said. And Paul said, verse 9, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus. How many of you know that before, before Paul started his ministry, he was called Saul, and he was persecuting the church. And Paul was convinced, before he was converted, he was converted that he, he, was convinced that he had to do, he, that he must do things contrary to the name of Jesus. Paul was zealous, but he was zealous in a negative sense to persecute the name of Jesus. That's what he's saying here. Go back with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 is where Saul is converted and becomes Paul. I'm not going to read the whole story. God used Ananias to minister to Paul during this transformation. Trans, uh, transition time for him. And Jesus was ministering to Ananias, telling him to minister to, to Saul. Ananias didn't want to minister to Saul. Why did he not want to minister to Saul? Because Saul was killing Christians. Saul was killing Christians. If someone's killing, if someone's killing people of a particular group, and you're part of that group that they're killing, do you want it to have anything to do with them? No, not the natural, but Jesus is telling him, God's telling him to minister to Saul, who's becoming Paul. And we're going to pick it up in verse 14, or we'll pick it in verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to 
bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. There's a lot here. I don't have time to go on all these uh, different rabbit trails. But again, the, the name of Jesus is being used here. What? He first was using, he was, he was doing everything contrary to his name. But here, God's giving Ananias God's calling on Paul's life. And Paul's life was to bear his names before many people. God is also, we are also called. Peter said, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus. You know, we are, we are bearing his name everywhere we go. We wear his name. Many of us call ourselves Christians. I can, uh, let me rephrase that. We're called Christians. <laughs> I'm mispronouncing that on purpose. We bear his name. We are Christians. We celebrate, we celebrate Christmas. So Christmas. Anytime someone says, Happy Holidays, I say, No, Merry Christmas. Sometimes they don't mean anything by it, and I get that. But I'm celebrating Christ. You take Christ out of Christmas, there's no, there's no sense of celebrating, as far as I'm concerned. But, again, I'm trying to paint a picture through a lot of these different scriptures that they preach in the name of Jesus. And they emphasize the name of Jesus. Paul, I mean, Paul, was, in my opinion, was one of the greatest apostles. He didn't start out that way. But he was converted. And he began to preach in the name of Jesus. That was his calling. And God, God instructed the apostles in Luke chapter 24. He instructs Paul through Ananias in, in Acts chapter 9 that they were to preach in the name of Jesus. Peter did the same thing on Pentecost. That we're, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The name of the Lord is powerful. The Bible calls and says that the name of the Lord is our strong tower. It's our tower of refuge. There's something about the name of Jesus. He has said he has given him the name above all names in Philippians chapter 2. That everything is put under the see. Everything must bow to the name of Jesus. Yeshua, our salvation. The Lord is our salvation. But we also can see... I don't have the time to turn to all these scriptures because I'm running out of time for this morning. But throughout the New Testament, throughout the book of Acts, you will also see that many people died for the name of Jesus. You'll see this in Acts 15, 25-26, how many would lay down their lives for the name of Jesus. You'll see in Acts chapter 21 that they died for the name of Jesus. You know, uh, there's other scriptures. Um, Peter preached at both Pentecost and Acts chapter 2, but he also preached in Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10 that whoever believes in his name shall be saved. Uh, he also talks about in Acts chapter 3 how the name of Jesus, how the name of Jesus heals us. We talked about Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. The name of Jesus heals us. He talks about in, in uh, Mark 16, which I, 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 I read it earlier, how the name of Jesus gives us victory over everything. Uh, I mean, through the name of Jesus we can heal the sick, we can raise the dead, we can cast out demons. That also speaks to Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our victory, the Lord our banner. Okay? Um, I want to conclude though, let's go to Acts chapter 16. And we're going to conclude everything with this. 
And we'll pick it up in verse 16. Now it came to, so Acts 16, 16. Now it came, now it happened, and now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are servants of the most high God who proclaim us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, the King James says grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. You know, um, this whole story, this, this gal who was obviously demon-possessed according to the scriptures, everything she was saying was right. These are servants of the Most High God who will show you the way of salvation. But there was something that finally grieved and annoyed Paul. There was something in his spirit, God was serving his spirits, whatnot. There was something that bothered him, annoyed him. I, you know, um, so much that he was grieved. And when you read the story, and there's some other stories that we can go into, God didn't just intervene on his own. In other words, when we other teachings we can get, get, go into, but God will allow some things to happen, allow some things to go on until we, the church, we who ha God gave us the keys of the kingdom, God said whatever you agree, well, whatever you bind will be bound, whatever you loose will be loose. God gave us authority, and some things will continue to go on until we use our authority and stop it and deal with it. There's something that God will allow to continue to go on. Sickness, different demonic and other situations until we use our authority. I don't have time to teach all this right now. Uh, we have a teaching that we've done before to believe in authority. It's a very powerful thing. But God gave us authority. He said, he said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, that all the promises of God are yes in him, amen in him, to the glory of God by us. We always leave out that by us. Some translations call say through us. All the promises of God are yes in him, Christ. All the promises of God are yes, amen, in him. To the glory of God by us. God gave us authority. God called us. God commissioned, Jesus commissioned the twelve. He commissioned the seventy. And he's commissioned the church to go and heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons in his name. God's not going to do what he told us to go do. He wants to do it through us. But he, there's some things that he won't intervene because he gave us that authority. God gave us that authority. And God will honor his, he, he does say in scripture that God honors his word above his name. We talked a lot about his name in the series, but God will always honor his word. And when God told us to do something, he's not going to go back on that word when he told us to do it. And so, um, but why didn't Paul stop this gal sooner? I don't know all the reasons why he didn't do it. But perhaps, this is just my speculation. Take it or leave it. 
Perhaps we have to get to a place where we are grieved. And the King James uses the word grieved instead of annoyed. Sometimes we have to get to a place where we are just grieved in our spirit, like Paul was. Where the issue grieves us, where enough is enough. Sickness is enough. Lack is enough. I believe we can do everything God's called us to do. You know, lack did not stop Jesus from feeding the multitudes twice. The storm and the waves did not stop Jesus from crossing to the other side. There are so many situations in the life of Jesus. Nature, natural things, did not stop him from doing what God called him to do. There was no demon that stopped him. There was no name that stopped him. There was no sickness too hard for him. Nothing was impossible. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. There was a situation where a boy was throwing himself in the fire, and the father came to the disciples for prayer. They couldn't heal him, so they came to Jesus. And said, said, why can't we heal him? No, even the father said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus made a statement. This only comes out by prayer and fasting. So many people will think that by, by fasting, we're going to move God. No, fasting will move you. Fasting gets you so focused on God, because where does faith come from? Hearing the word of God. And when we get focused on God, when we get focused, faith is born. And we can, well, we trust God. We you know, but unbelief is belief that's un. Unbelief is believing in something wrong. Sometimes we believe the circumstance. We believe COVID. We believe this or that. And I'm not picking on anything or anything. But sometimes we believe <coughs> before COVID it was cancer. And there's still cancer out there. And I usually use the word cancer a lot. But globally we understand COVID. But, you know, and I, there's so many avenues I can go on this. All I know, I believe Jesus. I believe his word. He says, every name shall bow to his name. Nothing is possible to others believe. He's given us many scriptures that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. By his stripes, we were healed. There's other things. My God shall meet my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I can do the things God can call me to do. I can be who God's called me to be. I can go where God's called me to go. And sometimes I need a miracle. Sometimes I need... Resources. Jesus sometimes needed resources. But perhaps we have to sometimes get to a point where enough is enough and we command things to, to be or stop to be in the name of Jesus. We have his name. We bear his name. We have his nature. We're born of God. We're born of his purpose. We have the power of Jesus. But sometimes you have to get so grieved in your spirit that you know, and you know the power of his name, where you say enough, in the name of Jesus, be gone. Or in the name of Jesus, I command healing and wholeness to come in this body. You know, Andrew teaches it this way, Andrew Womack, if as long as you can cope with something, you will. As long as you can put up with something, you will. That's one of the problems why I still have hearing illness. I've had conversations with God. God's called me selfish. <laughs> you know, because I, I like not being able to hear. Some people don't understand that. But I like being able to sleep at night. You can, back, you can vacuum in the bedroom and I won't wake up. I like that. There's some things I like about it. I think if it was blindness or some other things, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so okay with it. 
And I'm not saying I like it all the time. There's sometimes where I wish I, I could hear better. But there's so many avenues I do like that I've been pretty complacent. I've been very uh, nonchalant about praying for my healing. And God said, you're selfish. Because there's so many people in my life who would be very blessed seeing God heal my ears. And it's time for me to get enough of this enough and be done with this thing. I even had Andrew come pray. Uh, Andrew prayed for me one time. I said, I came to him and said, Andrew, I've been like this way for 40 years. He goes, that's 40 years too long. It's it's, I think we just need to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. We just need to say enough and use our authority and in the name of Jesus, be healed, be, be gone. And I know some people don't understand that because it hasn't been taught. But we need to, you know, the Bible says, submit to God, be resisted, the devil, he'll flee. That word resist means to actually fight against. Sometimes we need to get angry about things with a righteous anger. Not an ungodly anger, not a selfish anger, but Sometimes we need to get up and just, in a sense, yell. I'm not trusting my yelling or, or, or my demonstrativeness. If that's a word, I don't know. But it's just, but I, 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 it's just enough. Enough. You know, if an intruder came into this house, I'm not going to be nonchalant about it. Either I'm going to take action or I'm going to call the police or what, something's going to happen. I'm not going to let people just come and, 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 and uh, be hostile. And that makes sense? I'm going to take action. Uh, there's some things that we just have been patient too long with. We've been patient long enough. And it, it's time to say, enough is enough and be gone, be healed. And we, you know, and on Andrew's website, he has a lot of videos, documentaries of healing journeys, of people being healed, or maybe it was a financial journey or a life journey of some sort. And most of these journeys, they just had to be enough. They were doing all the right things, praying all the right prayers. But they needed to put faith in the name of Jesus. They needed to put faith in the gospel of Christ. They needed to put faith in Jesus and his message. And when they did, they stood on God's word. They stood, it wasn't so much the formula. It was, the formula was trusting Jesus. And they had to stand. They had, and in one sense, why, why all the repetition in one sense? They were convincing themselves. They are healed. And they saw results. Some of them, I mean, they, they can show you the tumor that just shrunk. They can t show you different testimonies of, of how, how, how it took place. You know, it says in Romans 5, 17, that we are the reign of life. Because of his grace, because of his righteousness, <laughs> <coughs> we are destined to reign. It says in Revelation chapter 5 that by the blood of Jesus, he has, he has made us kings and priests to rule the earth. God has made us by the blood of Jesus, kings and priests to rule on this earth. It says in Isaiah 52 verse 7 that by the gospel, we can proclaim this peace, we can proclaim salvation, and we can declare our God reigns. In some situations, this sickness has been reigning too long. In some situations, this situation has been reigning too long. It's time for God to reign. It's time for God to be Lord. This sickness is not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. This situation is not my Lord. Lack is not my Lord. Money is not my Lord. It's my servant. It's my tool. I'm stewards of his resource. But lack or abundance, 
money is not my God. The, the, the mammoth is not my God. Jesus is my God. I'm part of his economy, not the world's economy. It says in Ephesians chapter 3 that if we know his love, we'll be filled with his fullness, and he is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine, according to his power that is our work in us. What's working in us? His name. Because in chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, he talks about how he's put all things underneath his church. We have the name of Jesus. We have the Jesus himself, his fullness, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine. It says in Ephesians 2 that we sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I already quoted from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 how all the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God by us. We have so many promises. We have so many scriptures that preach of this authority that we have in Jesus. How we have in God. And we talked about it last week from John 14, 15, and 16 that six times Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You know, the word amen means so be it. God says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Why? Because he gave us authority. He gave us power of attorney. He get, we bear his name. And uh, when we, we, I didn't even go through all the stories but in the book of Acts, we have story after story after story how they preached in the name of Jesus. They ministered in the name of Jesus. They healed in the name of Jesus. It's not spiritual superstition. Not, it's not a mind game. It's not, uh, it, it, it's not just saying the name of Jesus. It's trusting the name of Jesus. It's knowing I have authority. You know, and uh, there's certain jobs where uh, I just knew I had authority authority of that business to make that transaction, to make that claim, to make that decree, whatever it was, and behind the store, because I was given the authority of that business to make that. As a notary public, I have a seal, I have a stamp, and I've been commissioned by the State of Cal Secretary of State of California to, to, under the right parameters, under the right guidelines, under the right laws, to issue that notary certification with that stamp and seal in my signature. There's some things that need to be on that signature to make it official, to make it legal, to make it notarized. But I can't, I can't abuse that authority. I can't, uh, but I, I, I have to use that authority within those guidelines. But if I use the authority within those guidelines, that notary seal and stamp has power within that. And I'm also an apostille agent and where, where I'm helping people legalize documents that go outbound to the U.S. And there's certain procedures, depending on the document where it's going, where, where that, that document can be legalized and recognized by that foreign country. Some things have to go through the state, some things have to go through the county, some things have to go through the federal government, some things have to go through the embassy. And sometimes you have to go to all of them to, for that document to be legalized in that country. I'm only painting the picture not to advertise what I do, but I'm also advertising that, that there's a certain protocol that has to be a place for that document to be legalized. And there's certain seals, there's certain stamps, there's certain signatures, there's certain things to, uh, that authenticate that document. Well, what authenticates our prayers? 
What authenticates our authority? The name of Jesus. We bear his name. And, we, and, and any of those authorities cannot misuse that seal, cannot misuse that signature, cannot misuse their title. We, we have parameters. We have the keys of the kingdom. And when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. We need to understand it. Well, I know that I can pray hands on the sick and they will cover because his word said so. He says that uh, he, 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 he says that my God shall supply my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I can give you hundreds of scripture about how I can uh, pray for the, the, those who need provision, those who need healing. I've never seen Jesus lay hands on one person and says, let me, let me bless you with leprosy. Let me bless you with blindness. You'll never see one scripture where Jesus put sickness on anybody. You'll never see one scripture where Jesus had some, someone be poor on purpose. I mean, I, I could go on so many rabbit trails on all these subjects. We have authority in the name of Jesus. And uh, so that God can be glorified. So his name could be exalted in the earth. And God gave us that authority. God made us kings and priests. A king and a priest is a lot of authority. And what made us kingdom priests? His blood. It says that in Revelation 5, 9, and 10. His blood made us kings and priests. And with, I learned this from a Spider-Man movie years ago. With great power comes great responsibility. We have power. Now we're responsible to use it. A cop can't just, there's a bank robbery going down the street. He can't just say, uh, Sarge, I just don't feel like being a cop today. No, he's sworn in to be a peacemaker and uphold the law. He can get in trouble for abusing his power or not using his power when he's sworn, sworn to do so. A, a cop, a military, is, uh, they're called upon to put their life on the line, if need be. And we have responsibility. And there's so many avenues I can go. I'm not trying to be negative with any of this stuff. I'm, but I am, in some sense, trying to rock the boat where it needs to be rocked. We need to... It, you know, a lot of things that are going on in our world is not so much the world's fault. The world's the world. The world it's a church set. We, the Bible says we are the light of the world. The Bible says we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are the children of God. We are the people of God. We have the answer. We have the antidote to everyone's problems. We have, we, the desire of all nations is on the inside of us. We have whatever people are looking for. It's, all, it's going to be found in Jesus, his word, his gospel, his name. And so, anyway, Lord, we just worship you. Well, I don't know how much of what you put on my heart has been conveyed and understood and received. The Holy Spirit, I pray that, Lord, even in these last days, all that's going on in our world, I pray that there would be an awakening in our country and in our world, worldwide, of your resurrection, of your spirit, of the name of Jesus. And let's stop playing church, let's start being the church. And Lord, I just thank you that you would help us to do that. In the name of Jesus. Because the church is not about the four walls, the church is to go out and make disciples of all nations, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, doing exploits in his name, that the Father might be glorified. But some of us need to ask for prayer too, so we can get cleaned up, our lives back on track, so we can be effective. 
And so we receive everything that you have for us so that we can do what you call us to do. We can be who you call us to be. And we can be an advertisement of your glory, of your goodness to a world that needs Jesus. We worship you. We magnify you. We bless us as we go. We pray for our country. We thank you for justice being done in this country. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight at 6. We talk about the true nature of God.